Amen. Good morning, Freedom Center. How you like bringing out golf clubs on a sunny Sunday morning is like bringing out biscuits and gravy on a sunny Sunday morning, right? Like, oh, yeah. Hey, um, I heard a great statement from one of our missionaries this last week, and I wanted to share it with you. We were, we were describing what Kingdom Builders is and what it does, and they, they said, oh, I get it. So you give to your church through your tithes. You give to your church. Your church has expenses, but you give through your church through Kingdom Builders. I said, that's better than I've ever said it. So yeah, thank you for giving to your church. So we get to do this as a foundation for giving through our church. So we get to do that. And uh, you guys are brilliant at it. I've had so many people say, and I learned about it again this week, like, oh yeah, we tune in all the time. Hey, my children who are raised on the mission field and are kind of third culture kids, like they, they listen to the sermon series and they send me funny things that you said. It's like, oh, it's, I was hoping it was the profound thing, but funny, I'll settle for funny. They're listening. And uh, so anyway, thank you, Freedom Center, for being you. You have a reputation. I bet the devil hates your guts. Yeah, I bet you Jesus is proud of you. So <clears throat> awesome stuff. Um, I also want to say one quick, and, and I, I, we have our Ministry Academy students. They're on their way to Florida. They're working this week, 10 of them, with the, uh, the National Fine Arts thing that's going on. And so they said, you know, hey, could you drive from Michigan to Orlando, Florida to be a part of this? They said yes. So can we just say a shout out to our ministry students? We missed them this morning. Come on. You guys, drive careful, Pastor Jason. Um, remember, please, above all else, Melanie's not with you, so somebody has to be the mom. I'm just saying, so take good care of each other, and uh, we have Mel. Yes, we do. We have Mel. How about you? Amen. So, uh, so today we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Come on, man. How many of you guys like Christmas morning? I like gifts. I'm a present guy. I, I have so much self-control that if I find a gift on Thanksgiving Day, I will open it. I, uh, I love presents. I love gifts. I love when someone knows me well, knows my need or knows my want. One of the greatest gifts, and I, this may sound strange to you, but please understand where I'm coming from. Uh, about five, six years ago now, we had a, an optometrist tell me that I would be blind in five years. So prepare yourself for that. Get ready for the fact that you won't be able to see. Get ready for um, surgeries to pr- try to preserve what you have left. But, but it's time for you to start making preparations for being functionally blind. You'll be able to see things, but no detail. And I said, oh, that's, you know, let me take this to Dr. Jesus. How many guys know Dr. Jesus might have in a second opinion? That's a medical fact, and I'm not against facts, but I really prefer truth. If I have a choice between facts and truth, I'll take truth. So the truth is Jesus is my healer. Jesus is your healer. And so we, we started the, you know, kind of just living by faith. And I said, you know, I've got this bucket list item. I want to be a consistent thousand-yard shooter. I want to be able to shoot a target, a man-sized target. I'm sorry, a, a two-by-two-sized target. At 1,000 yards. Well, my family for Christmas bought me a great gift. They got me a sniper rifle. How many guys know that just... You say, well, I'm, I'm not for guns. I, I get that. I, I'm not, this is not a, an NRA commercial, but it is this. In my heart, uh, I mean, I carried a weapon on my side for years defending you. Can I enjoy a weapon when I'm shooting targets? Come on, right? Can I, can I shoot a deer? Can I get a witness, right? I'm a member of PETA, by the way. I, I am. So you're like, I, ethical treatment? Absolutely. I'm a member of Please Eat the Tasty Animals. And I, I believe in that. Yeah, don't mess with that lobby. We'll leave it alone. So um, my right eye was my good eye. And five surgeries later, I can see you without my glasses on. And Jesus is good. But I started, I started, I, with, I remember opening that box and going, oh my goodness, like this, this, this dream of shooting a thousand yards, I'm, I'm now able to consistently hit a hand-sized target at over three quarters of a mile. 
I'm just so excited about that. Danny Rylett is my coach, and he's a brilliant uh, nationally ranked shooter, blah, 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 but awesome. And he teaches a life group, right? He teaches a group on distance shooting on Thursday nights that starts again in September. So if you want to kill a deer in your neighbor's yard, not yours, just at your neighbor's farm, not your, if you want to enjoy your coffee, stay in the family room and kill something three quarters of a mile away, there's a class for you. <laughs> Freedom Center Church. I need to move on. Um, but but I, I, you know, with this gift comes this responsibility. My family gave up some of their gifts, their budgets, their stuff to give me something that I said, if I only had something like that, I'd do something I'd only dream of. Does this make sense? So the reason we talk about this today is, is there, there are certain sports that we have, like, like weightlifting. How many of you guys know weightlifting is all about power? It's just boom, and then the guy in the tights stands up and screams and wiggles and jiggles, and he throws it on the ground and walks away, and then goes and grabs a cigarette, because he's from Eastern Europe most of the time. It's weird, right? So how many of you guys understand that sports require power? But there's also form. We, we ran about 1,000 miles a year for 10 years, and if you don't run the right way, you just hurt yourself. You run the right way, you can run about 1,000 miles a year, enjoy marathons and half marathons and crims and teddy bear trots and just, just a detoxing of your soul. But if you don't have the right form, so power, everybody say power, and form. But those are two different things. Power and form are two different things. As a matter of fact, they're so contradictory that there's a certain image like, like is, it, is it power or is it form? Is it beauty? Is it finesse? Or is it explosive power? And that's why I bring up golf today because I think, I think nothing prepares us better to understand what God is trying to do in our lives by giving us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Understand that my swing, I, 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 I'm not a good golfer. I did get my first par game. Did I tell you guys that? 18 holes, I parred. I got a par. Um, it came down to the final putt, 18th hole. I lined up the shot. I hit it just right. It went through the windmill into the clown's mouth. I got a free ice cream. Come on, somebody. Um, but, but these golf clubs help me do things I can't do. Does that make sense? So if I were to take a golf ball and I'm going to chuck it, I'd probably throw it from here to the parking lot. And that's about all I got. Aaron Rodgers has a 66-yard uh, touchdown Hail Mary pass, 66 yards, Lar- longest received pass in the history of the NFL. But how many of you guys know 66 yards with a, with, a, with a golf ball would be pretty tough, but it'd be nothing with this thing, right? This is called a driver. Actually, when I was a child, this was called a tennis racket. Now it's just called the driver. And just a simple swing, whack, that would go 66 yards. Just a simple connection. So this club has power in it when the user is handed it and it's the right club for the right shot and the right place. Are you getting this? So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're like that. The gifts of the Spirit are like clubs that a caddy would hand the golfer and he would say, listen, I want you to use this club. Well, why? Well, because the goal is so far down there that this club, the putter, just doesn't make any sense. This is a, f- a finesse item. It's beautiful. It, it it's, has great engineering in it. There's a certain shoulder thing. Pastor Jones are freaking out saying, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Open your club face. Close your club face. Don't wiggle. Don't jiggle, right? All that stuff, because he's a technical guru. But these two things have the same purpose, and that is to get the ball in the hole. But they're completely different. And a good caddy can tell you which club is the club for you to use to get the ball in the hole. Are you still here? So when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to get to that in a minute, but I want to answer a question that, that is asked quite often on this topic, and it's simply this. Are the gifts of the Spirit for today? Let me ask you this. Let's take the New Testament and the Old Testament, 
put someone who, who has no teaching on those issues and put them in a room and say, read this book, and then you come out and answer that question, are the gifts of the Spirit for today? 100% of the time, they'll come out of that closet, come out of that room, come out of that den, come out of that safe, wherever they were that they read that, come out of that cabin in the woods, and they will say 100% of the time, Scripture says nothing about the gifts of the Spirit stopping at the death of the last apostle. It talks about in the last days. Matter of fact, let me just say this. The... Um, there's this, what's called cessationalism, and I am not against people. I'm not causing division in the body of Christ, but I got to teach the Word of God like the Word of God teaches. Does that make sense? I have both experience and doctrine behind me, doctrine and experience in me. So for me to say, well, if you don't believe, like, no, you need to believe that God is still God today. And what God did then, God will do now. He's a God who never changes, but He's a God who moves constantly. He, he, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we know anything about Jesus, he operated in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm now sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, John 20, 21. So the, the thought that the Holy Spirit got done when John died on Patmos is a completely, thoroughly deceitful, I'm not calling people liars, but I'm saying the original lie comes from the devil, that God doesn't do God things anymore. God does God things. Come on. So we need to expect God to be God, not expect to be disappointed or, or, or have a faith that asks nothing so that we cannot be disappointed. So why, why did cessationism come along? Well, it came along simply because it, it excused a powerless church and it confronted false miracles. So during the Reformation, Martin Luther tacks the thesis onto the door. And, and during that time, they said, we're, as long as we're being honest, like the statues of the Virgin Mary crying may not be a miracle. And even if it is a miracle, let's not go worship a statue. And so they were saying, Catholic miracles aren't real miracles, which a miracle is a miracle. Come on. You know what I mean? A sign points to something, right? But at the same time, they're saying, listen, let's just let's excuse a powerless church. Let's confront a church that, that is, has slipped in some ways in extreme areas of its, of its theology into idolatry, and let's just confront it right now. So there are no miracles. The last real miracle took place at the death of John. Well, nowhere in Scripture does it say that, and nowhere in history does it say that. So for us to conclude that as concluding, we're giving ourselves a day off where Jesus said, go to work. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out. You guys doing good? Like, could you get back to golf? I will in a minute. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out and Peter has to explain to people this brand new dispensation, this new phenomena. They, they're hearing all these various languages coming out of a bunch of people from one place. And that without accent, without flaw, they're declaring the glories of God at the top of their voice. And they go, the guy from Mesopotamia goes, that dude's speaking Mesopotamian. What's he, what's he saying? He's telling me how good God is. He's talking about the glory of God. He goes, that's funny because I'm from Egypt and he, this guy over here, he's speaking fluent Egyptian. Like, what, what does this mean? And somebody goes, I know what it is. They're drunk. Because there's always some guy that blames drunk for everything. By the way, guys who blame everything on being drunk are probably drunk. The guy who said that was speaking from some sort of experience. So here's his explanation, right? He begins with the explanation. Peter says this, in the last days. Let me ask you this. What was Peter saying about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? When was it going to happen? In the... Okay, second question. What comes after last? So he's saying this is the beginning of the last season of God's people. And in the last days, this is what's going to happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons 
and your daughters come on. They'll prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So he begins his explanation of this miraculous outpouring of the Spirit as evidence with speaking in languages they didn't know and declaring the glories of God. He starts by saying, this is the last days. Guys, this is what we should expect. God promised us through Joel chapter 2 that in Acts chapter 2, this was going to happen. And he ends his explanation with this. He says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive what? The gift of? Come on, the gift of? Because this promise, what is it? This is a, this promise is for you. It's for your kids. So it's not just in this generation, it goes on to the next. Matter of fact, it's for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, I know you know this, but I'm going to quiz you anyway. In the Greek, the word all means what? So good. So no one believes that water baptism stopped when John stopped. No one believes that salvation stopped when John's heart stopped beating. Are you with me? So why would we believe that the Holy Spirit is no longer poured out on people and we shouldn't expect that the glorious, if you will, caddy of heaven to hand us clubs that help us get the ball in the hole? We should look for the help of God. We should expect the supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit in the day-to-day issues of our lives. Not, Not that he is our servant as a caddy would be, But I learned this again in sniper school. The guy that takes the shot is the junior member to the guy who spots the shot. I could not hit the broadside of a barn at 1,000 yards unless Danny was calling the shots for me. He reads the wind. He knows the stuff. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit handing us a bullet, handing us a club and saying, this is the right thing to accomplish the goal. The Holy Spirit's going to give us stuff. And can I say this too? I think most of you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, most of you, if not all of you, exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. You just don't call it that. So what'd you call it? Well, I don't know. I just had a feeling. Well, who gave you the feeling? The devil? I just had a feeling I should call you. Why, why are you calling me now? I, don't, I just had a feeling. Well, who gave you that feeling? I don't know. My flesh, my being, my psychic powers, my, my psychic eagle powers, Nacho. My, uh, I have super I can see through walls and jump. No, the Holy Spirit inside of you moved inside of you until it caused you to have an action to his voice, to his leading, to his peace, to his prompting. Anybody ever, anywhere you had to make a hard decision and when you made it, as soon as you made it, you had peace? That's the Holy Spirit. You ever, you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to do and someone goes, well, what if you did this? And the whole room went, that's brilliant. Where did that come from? Well, it wasn't from the author of Confusion. It's from the author of peace. Are you still here? Come on. So let's take a look at all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to stop and take a look at a couple. To give you an example, today is not a teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a primer. It's an appetizer, and I hope that you will study outside of this room the things that the Holy Spirit does through you, through others, from the inside of you, flowing out like living water to the world around you. So this is what the Bible says. It's now to each one, the manifestation uh, of the Spirit is given for what? Okay, so the purpose of this to begin with is not to make me look super cool. There's someone in the room right now as the organ plays, and you have a vowel in your name. (laughs) And and you've committed a sin sometime in the last 20 years. And if you give a dollar, God will give you $100. Some of you guys know that's a misusage. That's a counterfeit. Come on, that's a counterfeit. And it's cost, it's cost the spirit-filled church a lot that we've elevated con artists instead of servants. So if it isn't for the common good, then it ain't good. 
Okay. So, for the common good. So, to one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. We'll explain that in a minute. To another, the message of knowledge. We'll talk about that too. And that's by the means of the same Spirit. Now, to another, there's this gift of faith, this trusting beyond uh, common sense, supernatural stuff, and by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing. And by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. The foretelling of the will of God, right? To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of uh, (laughs) languages or tongues. And to still another one, the interpretation of your lungs. And all of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he, everybody say he, come on. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we don't conjure these things. They're not ours to keep, if you will, but just like this club, if I was playing with JD's clubs and JD said, Dad, let me just, why don't you borrow my, my whammy bar? Why don't you just, because it's a long ways away, let me give you this. And he were to hand that to me, and the same way, the Father's will is 300 yards that way. And the Holy Spirit says, let me give you the club that'll get the ball where it needs to go. You got it? Let's, let's go look at the gift of wisdom. That's not my club, I can throw it on the ground. <laughs> it was mine, I'd set it down. The gift of wisdom, what's this look like? This is when um, <clears throat> God hands you an answer to like an unanswerable question. John chapter eight, we get the woman caught in the act of adultery and all the leaders, all the Sunday school teachers, all the priests, rabbis, pastors of the community that have caught her in the act of adultery throw her at the feet of Jesus basically to do what Star Trek fans call a Kobayashi Maru test. Let's put Jesus in a no-win scenario so that no matter what he says, we can discount his ministry and we can move forward with our own lives without his influence influencing our religion. And so they get there and they say, now, the law says, Jesus, that a woman caught like this should be stoned to death. Well, that's the law of Moses. Adultery is, it just grieves the heart of God so much that he gave a very strict penalty. And you say, well, that, that is not the God I know. Just, let's just move past that for a second. We can talk about the Old Testament some other time. But I'll just simply say this. The extreme measures of the Old Testament are similar to the extreme measurements, uh, measures that are taken on a battlefield. If I get wounded and my arm goes gangrene, I have a choice. Cut off what is wounded to preserve what is not or to die, the whole thing. Does that make sense? So when you see the extreme judgments of God or what might seem extreme to us today, you say, well, that's an extreme judgment. Not if you're her husband who she's cheating on. And so because God loves people so much, he prohibits things strongly that will destroy families. I got two amens and the rest of you are quiet. Okay, at least I know where the conviction is this morning. Let's just keep moving on, all right? So wisdom, and so, but if he says, no, you should kill her, well, now he's in violation of Rome's laws because the Jews did not have the right to execute people. But if he doesn't say execute her, then he's violated Moses' laws, and so it's a Kobayashi Maru. No matter what you do, Klingons are about to kill you. And Jesus, instead of saying, what is it, yes or no, yes or no, just a simple yes or no, yes or no, Jesus, which one, yes or no, Jesus avoids the question and yet answers it perfectly with the gift of the Holy Spirit called the gift of wisdom. This is what he does. Instead of pointing out her sin, she's repentant. She doesn't need her sin pointed out. She needs mercy pointed out. So he says, okay, let's let's judge her. But before we judge her, we have to find someone qualified to judge her. So he who's without sin, some translations might even say, he who's without this sin. Go ahead. If you are in a position to judge her, remember, if you judge her and you're guilty, God will judge you. Judge not, lest you be... And that, that isn't like having an opinion about something. That's like, like a capital crime being carried out, the sentence and da-da-da. So he, he's like, if you can do that, go ahead. Remember who's watching. And from the oldest first to the youngest last. So, you know, Nicodemus is like, oh, crud. Well, I guess I'll go home and see what Ethel's doing. 
And then the guy that's middle-aged is like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying harder than blah, but I'm canceled. And my mentor just left, so I'll just leave it. And there's this last, like, 20-year-old Pharisee going, no, I can do it. I can kill him. I, I'm, how many guys know that? Never mind. It sounded like I was being mean to young people. How many guys know you're more aware of your weaknesses the longer you live in them? Yeah, <laughs> big amen from this section. <laughs> young people are like, no, no, I don't get what you're talking about. No, they, they, trust me. So the young guy's finally like, well, nobody else is here and I'm hungry. So, you know, let's go. And Jesus is left there with this woman, right? And this is what he does. He says, where are your accusers? The one who needed mercy got mercy. The ones who needed judgment got judgment. He helped them both to see what they could not see. They were perfect. You weren't. You're as big a sin as she is. I'm so imperfect, sweetie. Mercy can perfect the imperfect. That's the gift of wisdom. I, I had this happen to me, um, one of the most profound moments in my life. We were planting churches. And so when you plant a church, you don't take, if you think of church like this is ministry for people and this is ministry to people, right? So we've got 1,000 people because we have ministry for 1,000 people. Well, when you plant a church, you send ministry for a couple hundred people out there. So <clears throat> the church had grown. We're planting a church. I said, there's 30 some spots I need filled. Who volunteered to move to another community, plant this church and be on the leadership team? And like, there wasn't like 31. It was like, like 61 people said, we're in. I thought, boy, I did a really good job promoting that. So like almost all the group leaders, almost all the teachers, all, and they're, they're going out the door and it's getting more and more painful. I finally went to the pastor who was planting it. I said, listen, you're done recruiting A-list people. Take a few losers. Like just take people that... <laughs> Like, I, I need you to take some projects, some homeworks. I, how many of you guys know pastors don't mind church splits as long as they get to choose who splits, right? So take some of these with you, take some of those with you. Oh, we're not interested. We're going to stay here. We're going to fill the spots. I'm like, oh, no, right? And it wasn't until this one family that was very dear to me, hunting buddy close. And I said, we were out actually pheasant hunting. I said, you're like, Jesus, you're not going to leave me too, are you? And he said to me, oh, no, no, no. I, we have no intentions of going to the church plan. We're going to stay here. God would have to speak to me. Yeah, right? God would have to speak to me for us to ever leave Freedom Center. We love this church. You're our pastor. Okay, well, they're all gone, but at least I still have my hunting buddy. Three days later, we get away for 48 hours because we just, we're just burned out. We go to a friend's cabin in Gaylord, and, uh, and for some reason, we got internet for like a minute. Oh, let me upload my emails because I'm on vacation. I should be stressed out by things back home. <laughs> sure enough, there's an email saying, remember I told you, God would have to speak to me. I want you to know God spoke to me. And I went. So Dina says, what's wrong? I said, my friends are leaving the church. I really don't know how we're going to do it. We're going to plant a great church and we're going to die. All hope is gone. And uh, so we're on vacation. What do you want to do? She said, why don't you take a walk? Why don't you just take a walk? I look out the door. It's like five degrees and there's a blizzard. My wife's like, you should go for a walk. So I went for a walk all the way around the lake. I came back and I had spoken a lot of words to God, but God hadn't spoken any words to me. I got back to the driveway. I thought I'm going in probably in worse shape than she sent me to go for a walk with. So I took a second lap around the lake. And by the time I got back, like, I'm cold. And I, as I got to the door, I can see the glow of the door about where that exit sign is. And I said, God, here's the deal. You have to make me better at this or I'll never be able to do it again. Have a nice day. 
I walked in the door freezing, take off all my slushy, mushy, you know, blah, ah, and, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm getting warmed up and she puts a blanket around me. She said, God, say anything to you? I said, no, but he sure got an earful from me. <laughs> I said, what about you, babe? God speak to you? She said, yeah, I think he did. I said, okay, what, what are you saying? He said, you know what? If, if Joshua, our son, or JD, our son, hey, JD, stand here for a second. Okay, that's JD. If well, you should be, not be back in your mom's office. I'm just going to embarrass you. For a second. I'm kidding. I don't know what you're doing. I'm sure it was important. But I, I said, I, she said, yeah, there he goes. <laughs> yeah, it's not disrespect. It's just the way we treat each other. <laughs> she said, if Josh or JD, your sons, were planning a church, you would have gone to your friend and said, please go with my son and take good care of him. The problem is not that your friend is leaving. The problem is the pastors we're sending are not yet your sons. That was the sound of a microphone dropping slowly. <laughs> and I went, that's it. I, you know, God fixed this. God do, how many of you can see the power of the, the word of wisdom in the right moment? Uh, my problem was not my problem. The Holy Spirit gave her one thing to say, and, and he gave it to her in a 72-degree cabin where I'm begging God for a word. God speaks to my wife. My wife goes, you know, you should have just stayed here. Holy Spirit speaks in warm places. Amen. You know? I love this, guys. And he says that, let any without sin cast the first stone, and he fixes it. You ever, has that ever happened to you before? You know what I'm talking about? Any experience that by a show of hands, have you ever experienced the moment where the Holy Spirit hands you wisdom, and you get the ball in the hole? Can I see your hand, right? So, so you be like, I'm not filled with the Spirit. I don't know the gifts of the Spirit, but how many guys know that that is a gift of the Spirit? The devil didn't give it to you, and your brain didn't figure it out. God spoke to you somewhere in your being. You recognize truth. You recognize wisdom. He might have gotten credit for it. You might have called it luck or fate or intuition or, or recalling something, but it's the Holy Spirit handing you the right club to get the goal accomplished for the Father. Amen? Let's take a look at another one real quick. You guys doing good? One more. How many of you guys got time for one more? Let me see your hand. One more. One, two, three, four, ten. Good. The word of knowledge, the gift of knowledge. What does this look like? This is when God puts something, a, a piece of information, a fact Something that, that, that you can know, and he gives it to you, although there's no natural way for you to know that. But you know it. You don't know how you know it, but you know your kid's lying to you. You know how you know it, but, but you, you know something about somebody else. And this is the story that the woman at the well in Samaria, and she uh, comes out, and Jesus goes, hey, would you give me a drink of water? Well, he starts a conversation, male to female, and she points out that, that you misogynistic Jews have no say in this, this woman. I'm a liberated woman. I have no desire to talk to you, especially a rabbi that wants to talk to me. The Jews don't like us. So we've got sexism. We've got religious preference and discrimination. We've got, we've got uh, racism. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. They've hated each other like Hatfields and McCoys for like three generations by this point. And he stops her and says, give me a drink of water. She's like, I'll give you a drink of water, Jack. So she starts verbally being a snot because that's, she's been hurt. How many guys know hurt people do what? They hurt people. Give me a drink of water. She goes, you're a Jew talking to me. I'm a woman. You're a man. Forget it, Jack. He goes, well, if you knew who you're talking to, I'd give you water and you'd take the water I have to give you. You'd never thirst again. She looks around and goes, you don't have a bucket. You don't have a rope. So you don't have a rope. <laughs> you don't have a bucket. He goes, yeah, but this will be water that comes from the inside of you. She goes, okay, let me call your bluff, Jack. Give me this water. He goes, okay, I'd love to give you the water. But first, go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. Here comes the word of knowledge. Up till now, it's been her hurts. It's been political. It's been racial. It's been gender-based. Do you see that? 
She's, she's debating. How many guys have never changed somebody else's mind by arguing with them on social media? That's what's happening. Nobody's changing. But then he reaches behind all that hurt that creates the walls. He reaches behind all the knowledge, all the experience. Men have hurt her. Jews have hurt her. Their society has hurt her. Religion has hurt her. Jesus reaches behind all that and goes, you're right when you sing you have no husband. Matter of fact, the, the man you have now, you've had five husbands. As if one wasn't enough. You've had five, and the man you're living with now, you're shacking up with Bubba, and he's not yours. And she goes, I, I perceive that you're a prophet. What happened? I have all my walls. I have all my biases. I have all my prejudices. People like you should never talk to people like me because I'm ready for you. Jesus goes, you've never met a person like me before because I'm not here to prove you wrong. I'm actually here to make you right. I'm not here to point out your brokenness. I'm here to lead you to wholeness. I actually care about you. I don't care about winning an argument. You're not fodder for my ego. You're the reason for which I came. I'm living a perfect life and someday will die and defeat death, hell, and the grave for you. So you don't know me. Yes, I'm a man. You don't know me. Yes, I'm a Jew. You don't know me. Yes, I'm a rabbi. You don't know me. I am more than those things. I am the savior sent by a loving father to redeem mankind. I love this, right? So that's a gift, that gift of knowledge. How do you know? I don't know. It's not like, and Jesus was peering through the windows of a Samaritan woman and saw. Jesus was listening at the water at the well the day before and heard gossip. He's sitting there and the Holy Spirit shows him something that he did not know outside the Holy Spirit showing him. Now, have you ever, come on, by a show of hands, have you ever just known something and you didn't know how you knew it, but you just, you just knew it? Can I see your hand? Okay, gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm dating this beautiful girl and I'm madly in love with her and I believe that she is to be my wife. And I say to her, will you marry me? And she says, no. Why? Um, I just, you know, because, you know, because I just, you know. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a man and I'm a woman. You're... And the Holy Spirit showed me something that had happened in Dina's life that had, that had been hidden and, and defined her uh, into a prisoner of something that someone had done to her. She was molested and she speaks about this openly for 12 years by a family member. And out of my mouth came words, I ever said something and couldn't stop it? Happens to me all the time. <laughs> like, you should think before you talk. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what I'm thinking until I hear myself say it. <laughs> so I said, you were molested as a child. And the shame is, is imprisoned you to a place where you don't believe you deserve. Like if anybody ever found out, it would ruin my ministry. You wouldn't be loved. And nothing could be further from the truth. She told me who it was and what had happened. We started talking that night. And as the sun rose on a street corner in Mesa, Arizona, the following morning, all night long, I watched my wife forgive the person who'd just grievously hurt her. She forgave him, set him free, and God set her free. How many of you guys know that's a gift of the Spirit? Isn't that beautiful? And now... Last week in the Dominican, Dina gets up and goes, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. She just, you know, their marriage, and we argue all the time, but we resolve argues this way, and the sun doesn't go down on our wrath, and we've never considered divorce, murder on several occasions, but never divorce, and I was molested as a child, and the whole room's like, because we don't talk that way, because we went to church to church to raise money, and then we went to a, an unreached people group, and we had to be better than them in order to reach them. It's like, just be free to be what, listen, God didn't cause the pain in your life, but God's not going to waste redeeming the pain in your life. Stories of slavery just inspire slaves to be free. Come on. So 
That's a gift of the Spirit, and you've seen it, right? So notice this, guys, that the Holy Spirit gives the perfect gift, the perfect club at the perfect time. If in my heart that night, Dina said, you know, I can't marry her, I said, just for a second, and I started speaking in tongues. Did that help anybody? Okay, so you get that, right? I, hey, I, I, I want to marry you. I, I can't marry you. Why? Um, I just don't want to talk about it. Okay, I command the rain to stop for the next 30 days. And miraculous powers. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I can't marry you. Okay, watch what I can do with loaves and fish. She'd be like, cool trick, but I still don't want to marry you. So what happened was the Holy Spirit and a tender moment handed me the perfect club to move a ball three inches. And the goal of the father for his daughter was accomplished by a gift of the spirit through a son. You hear what I'm saying? That's not a teaching on the gifts. But I, but I want you to know something. If you're afraid of the gifts of the spirit, you've had a bad experience and God wants to set you free from it. You, you've seen things. You don't want to be that guy. It seems like too big of a risk to have a word of knowledge. You don't have to say, the Lord spoke to me. You could just say, hey, can I ask you a question? Somebody knows sometimes asking permission to share something God shared with you is a nice way to begin the conversation. I've seen these things horribly misused. We had a young man that was powerful in the spirit but ignorant in the ways of people. He spoke at our youth group in Prescott and he said, on the way up here today, God showed me someone was being molested by their father. Um, they thought about committing suicide yesterday and it's you. And he pointed to the girl in the front row. All of it was true but she was mortified and humiliated and terrified. She turned to me, she said, Pastor Jim, do I, have, do I have to do what he's telling me? I said, no, no, no. And I stopped the service. I excused my friend and told him to wait in my office and I ministered to the youth group because the gifts of the Spirit are not supposed to be terrifying and, right? Come on. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's gentle? I mean, he's bold, but he's gentle. If you feel harmed, I'm not saying it wasn't a gift of the Spirit, but I'm saying sometimes, sometimes I can take that golf club and I can hit a golf ball in the hole or I can hit my brother with it. Same club. So it's for the common good. So if it's not for the common good, then the gifts aren't bad, but the guy with the club's using it improperly. I can hit a ball in the hole or I can rob a liquor store with the same club. How we use these things. So if you love people, this is what it says. It's now eagerly desire these gifts. Matter of fact, he goes a step farther. He says, follow the way of love, which I think is intricately connected to this, right? And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. So what is the, what is the biblical instruction? This is for you, it's for your children, it's for those who are far off, it's for all the Lord our God shall call. In the last days, this dispensation of, of the season of God's people that we're in right now, God's gonna pour out a spirit on everybody. God's gonna say, and his sons and daughters are gonna prophesy. Old men are gonna dream dreams. You know why old men dream dreams and young men see visions? Young men are up dreaming about stuff. Old men have to get up to go to the bathroom. That's why they're up dreaming stuff, right? But follow the way of love and eagerly desire, band join me if you would, eagerly desire gifts of the spirit. Eagerly desire. What's the Bible say about spiritual gifts? We should, we should desire? No, we should, why? Not so that we become famous, but so that, the holiness of God is revealed in the sinfulness of man and the gentleness of Christ so that they get to feel and see. It's not just a logical argument that dispels racism or sexism or religiousisms. It's the gift of God reaching behind into the hearts of people. Guys, listen to me. We debate way too much and we don't pray enough. Our arguments seldom lead to the conversion of somebody else, but the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, I wish I had time to tell you more, but I don't. But this is what Jesus says. Luke chapter something, 11, verse nine says this. I love this. So I say to you, ask, 
and it will be given to you. What are we asking for? Wait for it. Seek, and you will find. What are we going to find? Wait for it. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, what happens? The one who seeks, what happens? And the one who knocks, what's going to happen? Which of your fathers, and he asked, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? That's, that's not good parenting. Daddy, can I have a fish? Sure, put your hand in the bucket. Right? Or if he asks for an egg, Daddy, can I have an egg? Sure, sure, put your hand in this, in this pouch. There's an egg in there. No, there's a scorpion. <laughs> what? Right? If you then, even though, come on, compared to the holiness of the fatherhood of God, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give what? Give who? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. I, I just want to get rid of the title Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, cessationist, millennialist, how many guys know that God's kids will have God's gifts flowing through them? So before we categorize theologically into camps that separate us, can we just agree? How many guys agree God is good? How many guys agree God is generous? How many guys agree that God's goodness and generosity has to be expressed in some way? And as his children, we should bear his likeness. That Jesus walked consistently in these gifts and all of them and more that his apostles walked in these gifts and more, that his apostles trained that generations yet unborn would walk in these gifts and more. And we are those generations. And we've been born. And we've been born again. So I would expect, I would expect as we're sharing our faith, God would want to be a part of that. If I convert people through my knowledge, my righteousness, they are converted by self-righteousness. But if, but if God shows us something in our hearts, you can forgive the one who harmed you in a, in a way that's unforgivable. If God answers the question, God can in that moment take you from a pastor who will never plant another church again to one who just realizes he needs more spiritual sons and not to be jealous of the blessings of God in other people's lives. You want to script the blessings in your life? Be jealous of the blessing in other people's lives. You want, you want God's generosity in your life? Be generous with the blessings. These are lessons that were not taught to me by theology. These are lessons that were taught to me by the Holy Spirit of God. Just stand to your feet all over this room. Either you guys are fuzzy or I need to wash my glasses. I'm not sure which one it is. I had a drywall yesterday and I think I still got schmutz. You guys doing good? So what's next? Ask and you will. Seek and you will. Knock and the door will be. Because everyone who asks... Everyone who seeks, and to him who knocks, the door will always. Which of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake. Asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. And if we, being evil, know how to celebrate Christmas, spoil the kids rotten, and how much more will your heavenly Father? How much more is your heavenly Father waiting for this moment to give you gifts? So, Father, right now, as we close our eyes and bow our heads, we do one more thing, and that is we open our hearts. Some of us, we're on our way to Ford in a van right now. Some of us are getting on a plane to Alaska tomorrow. Some of us are heading to work. Some of us are heading back home. Some of us are on our way to Mega after this. But wherever we go, we serve a generous God who lives inside of us by his spirit. And so if we listen, we'll hear. And if we ask, we'll receive. And if we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be open. So there's a world that maybe is a little bit tired of arguing theology. 
contradictory voices, accusations of racism and sexism and religious differences and separations. We like go to a place where it's like, just forget it. I'll just be all genders. <laughs> just forget it. I'll just be all religions. Just forget it. I, I just don't want to fight anymore. But there's no peace in this world except for when we are close with the Prince of Peace. So God, I pray. If we're not right with you, then in these closing moments, Father, I pray, forgive everything, remove everything that stands between our hearts and yours. If you're here today and you're like, man, I'm, you know, I got a religious background and stuff, but I, I, I know Jesus kind of like I know George Washington, like I know about him. Chopping down the cherry tree, cannot tell a lie, commander in chief, revolutionary war. I mean, I, I, I know stuff about him, but I, I don't know his favorite ice cream. I don't know his favorite joke. I've never heard his voice. Today, if you're like, God, I, I, I can't help you with this. By the way, Jim Wiegand is incapable of giving you something right now. Only God can do this and only you can ask for it. But if there's something that stands between your heart and, and his, and you consider him greater than that thing, you are one step closer to the kingdom of heaven. I even say this, if you've never heard his voice and you hear it, whether it's through somebody and a gift of the spirit or it's, it's, it's through your, just your heart hearing his heart. You're one step closer to the kingdom of heaven. When the kingdom, when, when, when heaven's king becomes your king, you're in the kingdom. That makes sense? When your allegiance, when he is your sovereign, when he is your Lord, when his economy is your economy and the mercy of, of your king comes into your life, when you, you go from being an orphan to an adopted son, a dearly loved daughter, it changes everything. So if you're not there yet, right here, right now, come on, tell him, God, I give you my life take away everything that stands between you and me. I'm, I'm not going to soft sell this. Like, forgive me my sins so I can go do them again tomorrow and sprinkle you on my life like salt on my scrambled eggs. No, I, today my life, my life is given to the one who gave his life for me. My life now given to the one who gave his life for me. Make a choice. Make a decision here and now. And for those who are here like, you know what, I, I made that choice. I made that decision. I'll be honest with you, I don't move in the power of the Holy Spirit you're talking about. I, I'm not even sure my eyes are open to what he wants to do. Even though I found myself saying, yeah, I, I've done that. Yeah, I've, he's done that through me. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've been a part of that. I, I, we didn't even find that like he was the one that was behind that. He didn't get glory for that. But now our hearts are focused, Father. Our hearts are open. And what you did on the day of Pentecost and what you did in Philippi, the jail, what you did in Ephesus and what you did in Rome and what you did at Azusa Street and what you've done. God, just do it again. Open hearts. We create a landing pad for the Holy Spirit to come and to stay in our lives and level the ground. Come land here. Holy Spirit, come land here. Put your hand on your heart right now, would you? If you don't want to, you don't have to, but put your hand on your heart. Say, God, everything that's underneath this hand belongs to you. And if it's empty, fill it. We ask. We seek, we knock, because it's a world that doubts. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to go beyond the wisdoms, the philosophies of man. Holy Spirit, come, solve every problem. <laughs> Calm every storm. In Jesus' name, more of you, God. More of you, God. More of you, God. That's what we want. More of you, God. Make room. Make room.